Well, guys, let's take our Bibles. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. And we're continuing in this journey through the hall of fame of faith. And that's what we're going to look at this afternoon. The hall of fame of faith. At camp, we, we hear cheers, you know, the chanting, the cheering, it's kind of, you know, you saw in the video, uh, you know, the jumping up and down, clapping. You, you cheer for your team, and most of the, the cheers that we have at our camp are kind of silly, you know, they're pointless. It's like, go bananas, go, go bananas, it's just, it's, there's nothing to it. Or go big red, you know, <laughs> cheer for the red team, yay. Um, or, or maybe... Um, your mom is blue. You know what I mean. You know, you know that it's true. The, the, these stupid cheers—they're just fun, but um, sometimes they're like they're a little bit more predictive. You know, it's like we are going to win. You know, or or uh, down in the valley, there's a cemetery where the blue team's going to get buried. You know, all these kinds of cheers—they—they you—you you can see people cheer them out with everything they have. And I like to stand back every once in a while and just watch people cheer. <laughs> you know, in the sports realm, sports world, there's, there's cheers and chants as well, right? Have you ever been to a, a game, like a big stadium game, and you get to hear the whole stadium cheering at the same time? You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, it's electric, Whenever the whole stadium like stomps their feet all at the same time, and it, it's just crazy um, how much energy can flow through a game like that. One cheer that became popular across our nation and even the world, it encapsulated our country's faith at that moment in time. It was one person who called it the epitome of American optimism. It was during the 2014 FIFA World Cup, the American, uh, the U.S. men's soccer team uh, was playing, and in, in the stands you could hear all the fans cheering out as loud as they could, and it went like this, I, and they repeated, I believe, I believe that, I believe that we I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win over and over and over. In unison, they cheered this. As loud as they could, you could see people just cheering it at the top of their lungs. And, and as you listen to it, I'm telling you, the hair stands up on the back of your head. You know, it just, it just, it just, you just feel the excitement and I'm sure if you were to ask some of those people, you know, do you really believe this? Like, yes, we are going to win this thing. They believe it. Well, if you know anything about soccer. <laughs> the U.S. men's soccer team did not win the World Cup that year. And uh, since then, we still have not won. Um, it, it's, it's kind of uh, interesting, we, we are kind of missing from the U.S. World Cup scene in, many, in the Hall of Fame, that is, uh, in, in many ways. I believe that we will win. Is that what faith is? Is that what belief is? 
to say, I believe something with all my heart? Is it just being passionate about something? Because I'm sure, you know, again, these, these fans, they were passionate about it. We see lots of passionate people in our world. And quite often we see people who actually have lots and lots of faith. But everyone's faith is not in the same thing. I would even say it this way, not everyone's faith is in the right thing. Some people have a lot of faith in a belief system. I lived in Utah for five years. It was interesting to be around people who had belief, a lot of faith in a religious system. Uh, People have faith in their own talents and abilities. Um, People have faith in um, uh, different um, money. They, 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 They think that if I have enough money, I'll be fine, and they trust in their bank account. Some people trust their own family. Some people have faith in their church. Maybe it's even a good Bible-believing, preaching church, but they have faith in the church rather than the person the church is about. A lot of people have faith in all kinds of things. You could say that the object of their faith is all wrong. Furthermore, you can see some really right people who have who've placed their faith in the right place. You could say that they are truly trusting in Jesus to be their Savior. They, they have placed their faith and trust in Him. They, they have their faith in the right place. But for day-to-day, living out their lives, they have like very little faith. They don't live it out. And today, what we're going to see is, in in this section of Hebrews 11, all throughout history, you're just going to see section after section, uh, a period of history after another, of people who had faith, and they put their faith in the right place, and they lived out their lives of faith. And what I want us to do is, I just want to highlight how different faith can look. From, from a, a person like Abel, who offered a sacrifice, to Noah, who built a boat, to Abram, Abraham, who had to trust a promise to, uh, to have a, a, a huge nation, to David, to the prophets, to the judges, all these different people. There was incredible faith across the board. It's all in God. So let's pray. We're going to ask God to even give us faith, even in this moment. Father, I, I thank you for this chapter of Hebrews that it lays out so clearly the hall of fame of these men and even women who were included that had faith. And Lord, we, we might struggle to live up to maybe the way that they lived, or even to see the heroes of the faith in, in missionary biographies and think, I can't ever do that. But help us not to get bogged down by living an exemplary life that is just honorable by people. Help us to simply trust You and have faith. And Lord, maybe even through that faith, You can do great and mighty things faith that can move mountains, but ultimately we realize it is 
you. So help us, even now in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we talk about the Soccer Hall of Fame, and uh, you can see different teams on the wall of the Soccer Hall of Fame. You can see different names who go down in history as amazing soccer players. Same thing with most sports. They have a Hall of Fame. They have this, this area where you can go and you see pictures and memorabilia, and, and, and you, you can reference the history of this, whatever thing it is, whatever... Um, uh, sport it is or field of science, it, there is usually a hall of fame that honors what's been done. And in the Bible, there's a hall of fame for faith in Hebrews 11. You could think of it this way. And um, I, I always picture walking down, whenever I think of a hall of fame, you walk down a hallway and on either side, picture, 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 memorabilia, all these things. And, and here we are walking down this hallway, and, and we're going to see pictures of these different Bible characters. And I want you to imagine just walking down with me, and every once in a while we just stop, and I want to look, and, and just think about what this person did in their lives, and just remember. So first of all, let's start with the ancient faith, the ancient faith that is in the life of Abel and Enoch and Noah, and then we'll go through some of the, the faith of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and then the, the Israelites, when Moses comes on the scene, Moses, he, he leads the Israelites, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, and, uh, and then you have the judges, you have those, those crazy stories with Jephthah or Gideon and fighting the people of Jericho or, uh, or you know, all the, the torches and things like this. You have the story about the kings. You have the story of the prophets. Amazing things that happen in each one of these stories. So let's just appreciate the Hall of Fame of faith. Some of these people, let's learn from their lives. I don't want to discount the fact that they lived some amazing lives, and we can learn from each one of them. So, start in verse 4. Um, the faith of the ancients starts with Abel. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Just kind of think through the history of the Bible. You know, it starts out, God created, you know, all the earth and all the, the animals, and He put Adam and Eve in here. Why doesn't, why doesn't Hebrews start with Adam and Eve? Well, if you remember the story of Adam and Eve, they actually walked in the cool of the day with God. They were with God there, and it was like this, they, they, they experienced Him in person, in real life. Do you really have to have faith that your mom and dad are real when you're sitting across the table from them? Do you have to say, oh, I really hope they're real? <laughs> No, because you see them. And the same thing with Adam and Eve. They saw they were with God. So here we have Abel. He's the first one here. I have to acknowledge. He had to have faith. He wasn't there. He was born later on, but he was one of uh, Adam and Eve's sons. He was the second one. He, um, the second son of Adam and Eve, grew alongside of his brother, Cain. Uh, the two brothers... Uh, they took on different professions, two different jobs. Cain was a what? Anyone know? What did he do for a living? He was a farmer. Yeah, he, he tended the fields. And then what was Abel? Yeah, he shepherded. More than just sheep, he probably had goats and other animals too. But he, he basically took care of animals. How many of you guys have animals at your house? All right. 
Um, anyone have any like livestock type animals or like chickens or goats or anything like that? Cool. My wife has chickens and she's out there in the chicken coop and she's taking pictures of the chickens. She put them on these little perches and all these kinds of things. It's hilarious. You know, the chickens are so funny. And um, I- I'm sure that Abel had a lot of fun with his animals, right? It's cool to think about how Abel lived out his life, and, and later on in the story, there's this significant turn when they're supposed to bring their offerings to God. Abel, we're told that he offered a good sacrifice. He, he had a heart, apparently, that was full of faith, as we see here in Hebrews. And he offered the finest of his flock to God, demonstrating the sincerity and the reverence that he had towards God. And in contrast, Cain... He just brought some of the uh, fruit of the land. Um, and, and Cain's offering, however you want to look at it, it lacked the same depth of commitment. And, and so what God does is He favors Abel's offering over Cain's. And then this led to this rivalry of the brothers. I mean, there's contempt between them, and then there's sibling rivalry. If you ever get in a fight with your brothers and sisters, don't let it go this far, okay? Um, But what it does is it culminates, culminates in an act of violence, and in a fit of anger and envy, Cain lures Abel out into the field, and he ultimately kills him. Murder. Again, remember how we said these people are not perfect, but here, here we have this person who dies <laughs> early on, and Abel is one who's commended for his faith. It's even interesting, in Hebrews 11 verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. And God testifying of his gifts, and by it, He being dead, yet speaketh. You could say we have lessons from a dead man. His life is still speaking. Have you you learned anything from someone who's already died? Sometimes it takes that. It takes a funeral to learn something about someone and actually really appreciate their life. And here we have Abel, this man who offered a wonderful, good, and pleasing sacrifice to God. I, I, you could summarize his life and even apply it to faith by saying that people of faith, like Abel, bring a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. People of faith bring a sacrifice that's acceptable to God. In the next verse, it talks about Enoch. Enoch is a fun guy, okay? He, it, it's interesting to think of his story, but you could see through the life of Enoch, uh, people of faith walk with God through their very last step, right? And, and in Genesis 5, Enoch is mentioned. If you know anything about Genesis 5, it's not like the most exciting chapter in the world, okay? It's the, part of the genealogies, all right? So you get through Genesis 5, and it's, it's all this like... Um, all the days of Adam, he lived 930 years, and then he died. And Seth lived 105 years, and Seth lived, and he begat Enoch. And Enoch and uh, Seth, the, the days were 912 years, and then he died. And then Enos lived 90 years, and he begat Canaan. And it's all these begats, and it goes on and on about how, how long each person lived. Until you get 
to Enoch. And it breaks the cycle. It's just a little bit different when it gets to his life. Because what does it say in Genesis 5? Enoch lived 60, 60 and 5 years, and he begat Methuselah, which is actually the oldest man that's recorded <laughs> living in the, in the Bible, which is kind of interesting to, to think of the connection there. But Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years. They lived a lot longer back then. And he begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were... 360 and five years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Do you see what's added there? If you, did, if you didn't like see it in all the previous statements, it adds, Enoch walked with God. This man, he... <laughs> For him to be, to be pulled out from the rest of the group and for this to be said about him, that's a pretty high commendation. That's awesome. Do you know anyone who walks with God? Do you have parents that walk with God? A dad spends time with God? Maybe he doesn't. You have a brother, sister? Do you have any heroes that you can look at that, that, that walk with God? So cool because all the other people that were listed, they were living like 900 years, 800 years, 900, 1,000 years. And here it comes to Enoch. How long did he live? 365 years. Wow, he was a spring chicken. <laughs> he, was a, he was a young kid, right, in comparison to all those guys. I mean, he's, that's like a third of the life of some of the other guys. He's, that's like a 20-year-old or a 30-year-old today. That's, that man, you're like, man, that guy's really young. You know, it, you, think about, you think about someone dying at a, at a young age, and, and in some ways, their, their life speaks even more. People of faith, they walk with God even through their very last step. I hope that you can do that as well. Hebrews 11.6, it seems like a little interlude in the story of Enoch because it doesn't, doesn't seem to go exactly with it, but it's a great phrase. It says, with God, with, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Maybe it's connected with, with Enoch. And, and it's, it's saying Enoch pleased God with his life. He walked with God and that pleases him. And, but, it, but it lays it out here. Be, a, be someone who seeks God diligently. And then in verse 7, it goes to Noah. Noah was a righteous man. And it says, um, it, it, in the life of Noah, you know that he was a, a righteous man living in a corrupt world. He was also described as having walked with God as well. And, and both of these guys, they walked with God and they lived lives that stood out apart from the rest of them. He was chosen by God to build an ark, a big boat, to survive a worldwide global flood. And despite facing ridicule, he, faced, he faithfully followed God's instructions, constructing this ark and preaching righteousness. Even as the flood waters rose, he was still preaching, trying to get these guys, get his, um, the other people in. And Noah, his family, and the, and the pairs of the animals, they all found refuge in this ark, and God, God saved them. It, it, it would have... It would have required incredible faith to do what Noah did, right? To build a boat 
when everyone's laughing at you, mocking you? How many years do you think it took him to build this? I mean, it's, he, he, it's, it's huge. I mean, this would have taken him forever. And, and even to think about how much, how much mockery he would have faced. And here, we don't even like it when people go, you're a Christian. You see, Noah was a man of faith. He was a preacher of righteousness in a wicked world. And you could say he was a man of of faith that took God at His word and he avoided the judgment of God. People of faith take God at His word and they avoid judgment. The patriarchs are in the next section of Hebrews and it goes through the lives of, of people like Abraham and Sarah, his wife, and the story of Isaac and Jacob. These patriarchs, they, they have many lessons that can be taught about their lives. People of faith, they, they, you'll see that they submit to the Word of God. They, they do not fear the ultimate fulfillment. Um, they don't find their ultimate fulfillment here, but they look ahead. And then they focus on the faithfulness of God and His promises. So Abraham and Sarah... This unlikely story is, is uh, interesting. They, they wanted so badly to have children, and they were childless. They had a divine promise from God that He was going to provide descendants from them, and, and they trusted God's pledge. They trusted His Word, and so they journeyed to Canaan. They were facing trials and famine. They, they, they remained faithful, and even Sarah... She struggled with this promise because at one point, Abraham was, Abraham was in the tent and, and God was speaking to him and saying, you will have a son. Now, they're pretty old, <laughs> you know, in their 90s, you know, somewhere around there. And, and, um, and here, God's telling him, you will have a son. Well, Sarah has a sense of humor. She's like, okay, come on. You really think I can have a child in my old age? She laughs. But even still, in all of this, even with that laughter, there was still a faith that God would provide. Abraham's faith um, later on is tested as God asked him to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, but later on he provides a ram. After Sarah's passing, Abraham, he had to, he had to trust God to provide a wife for Isaac so that Isaac's name could, could continue on and even um, uh, provide for the, for the covenant. And then Abraham's life demonstrates just an unwavering faith of obedience. And then in verse 13, look at that with me. It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in this world. What is that saying? All these died not having seen the promises? I heard a story one time of someone whose friend... um, uh, it was at school, and they were doing what's called a trust fall. You know, you stand on the chair, and then, and then your, your friends, they stand, they hold their hands out, and they catch you. And this girl didn't want to do it. And she's like, no, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And so finally, they got, they got her. They, they convinced her. She got up on the chair, and they said, okay, close your eyes and just fall. 
And uh, here they are. They're ready. They got their arms out. She closes her eyes and she falls. Forwards. <laughs> Face plants right on the ground. And um, she, you know, is that, is that what this is like? <laughs> I, th- I thought that was a great illustration of this point. You know, like, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. It's like, well, you had faith, but you had it in the wrong spot. The end. No, 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 no. Now here we, what we're doing is we're looking at God's faithfulness. We're trusting in Him, and sometimes the answer doesn't always come in the way that we want it to. Sometimes there are still trials along the way. Well, God provides Isaac for Abraham. In Isaac's life, you could say that Isaac is an example of how God unfolds his blessing. And, and Isaac was used by God to, to bless his sons. Um, he was commended in verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. That's it. That's all that's said. And Isaac, who was the son born to Abraham and Sarah, he was this pivotal character in the covenant of God. Um, what do you think it was like for Isaac to maybe even have to help his dad carry all that firewood up the mountain? Where's the sacrifice, Dad? Where's the sacrifice? God, God will provide it. Isaac had to trust even, even as a young guy, I mean, as a teenager, as a boy. Later on, he gets up there, where's the sacrifice? And he's, he's preparing this, this fire, and, um, and, and he lays his son out. He's about ready to raise the knife and, and take his life, and, and that's when God provides the ram. You see, this is a, almost a strange story that can be totally misunderstood, but what it's doing is it's, it's showing that we can trust God. We can. He will provide a lamb. He will not actually take that son's life. But by faith, Isaac, later on in his life, he had Jacob and Esau, those two sons, and his eyesight was dim, he couldn't see what was going on, and, and later on he was, he was giving the, uh, the blessing, and, and all of a sudden he blesses them. Jacob, you could say, or um, Isaac, you could say, was a man of faith that was used by God to unfold God's blessings as they were supposed to be. And then you have the life of Jacob, the son who, <laughs> kind of a, a sneaky guy, right? He was kind of deceitful. Um, Jacob was born to Isaac and Rebekah. He faced a sibling, a sibling rivalry with Esau, the, these two brothers. And, um, you know, he, he was the one who kind of stole the birthright from Esau. You know, he kind of snuck in there, put the, 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 the animal hair on his arm and, and just kind of faked it. He lied to his dad. Later on, he, he was trying to marry uh, Rachel, and he got Leah instead. I mean, what comes around, what goes around, comes around, right? You, if you're deceitful, then, then maybe someone else is going to be deceitful to you. 
But in the story, we see Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed both of the sons of Joseph and worshipped and leaned on the top of his staff. That was what was said about him. In Hebrews, by faith, he blessed both of the sons of Joseph. If you simplify it in one little statement, you say people of faith, they lean on God even in the middle of great trials. They lean on God in the middle of great trials. So this patriarchal faith, it it doesn't totally make sense in our minds. You might not understand the context, and if you read through the biblical narrative, sometimes you understand a little bit more, but ultimately we understand that God was in control of this family. He was in control. But then you move from the patriarchs, and you get into the life of the children of Israel. As you know, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel and because uh, he wrestled with God. And, and the Israelites, these children of Israel, were these people who uh, followed, they followed uh, the family looking for food. And um, first of all, there was Joseph who was sold into slavery in Egypt. And through divine providence, he rose to power and then later on reunited with his brothers. Joseph, he was, he was incredible, okay? I don't say that just because my name is Joseph. <laughs> but Joseph was incredible because he, he provided for all of these nations during the, in the midst of a famine. And, um, and later on, when he got close to death, He prophesied the departure of the children of Israel from Egypt. He commanded that when they left, they should carry his bones with them. And then centuries later, during the Exodus led by Moses, this prophecy was fulfilled as the Israelites departed. And again, this, this, this interesting story, but in Hebrews 11, he's mentioned. By faith, Joseph, when he died, he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning the bones. And you could say it this way, people of faith endure betrayal like Joseph, slavery and imprisonment, and remain steadfast in their trust in God until they die. The next section is, is, is kind of implied, but, but if you read through, you, you start to see by faith, Moses was hidden. He was, he was taken and his life was spared. When he was born, he was hidden. He was hid for three months of his parents because because they saw that he was a proper child, and uh, they were not afraid of the king's command. Who were his parents? They got kind of cool names. Okay, uh, Moses's parents, um, Amram and Jochebed. Okay, they displayed some extraordinary faith to go against a king's edict. You know to. To, to do something that God would have approved of, but knowing that it could put them in danger, to save the life of their son. And they kept him, they preserved his life. And people of faith, you could say that they have great courage and they trust in God's divine plan. And the life of Moses is filled with faith as well. Moses is his pivotal character. What I see in Moses is he was a man of faith who passed on worldly pleasures to follow God. How do I see that? Because because where did Moses start out? 
I mean, after, after his mother saved him in the, in the bulrushes, after she, he, he was saved, he was in royalty house. Like, he was living right there. He had everything at his disposal. Moses, he, he could have lived a, 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 a super lavish life, and he probably did for a long time in Pharaoh's court. But later on, he identifies with his Hebrew heritage. He, he finds out and he, he learns that this is his family, and, and he, he chooses even the affliction with his people over the comforts of that royalty. He says, I will follow God. I will deliver these people, even when it was hard. And you know the story. He gets up out of Egypt and he, he, he leaves in the Exodus. It was, it was incredible, all the plagues that surrounded it. But they go out and, and God was providing for Moses, making a way for him. And by faith, Moses, when he was come of years, he refused to call the son, the, the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. And he chose to suffer affliction. It goes on and on in, in, in Hebrews 11. By faith, he forsook Egypt. And through faith, he kept the Passover. And by faith, they passed through the Red Sea. You could include the Israelites with him there. And, and he goes, and this, this man of faith, he passed on worldly pleasures. And he took a really hard road with the Israelites to follow God through some really hard and scary places. Now, what's interesting, in Hebrews 11, is that not only is, is Moses mentioned here, but right after Moses, you could say the story of Moses ends with verse 29. Okay, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which, which the Egyptians assayed, um, assaying were, uh, to do were drowned. But then in verse 30 is the battle of Jericho. Does anyone know how long that was? How far apart? No, well, Jericho would have been about, that's like after the whole time in the wilderness. How long were they in the wilderness? Forty years. Forty years they were in the wilderness, and, and here they are wandering around the wilderness, and, and um, what you know about the, the Israelites is they, they did not always have a good attitude. They kind of complained. They didn't really have a lot of faith, and so... They didn't have faith, and so that whole story is left out, and we skip right the story of Jericho. The story of Jericho and, um, and the people who, who uh, even marched around the city, they, they did this in faith, believing that God would take those walls and crumble them down flat, and He did. By faith, verse 30 by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Has anyone ever thought about how they fell down? I always thought they just kind of crumbled. But that's not very flat. And it says they fall down, they fell down flat. They probably like felt like outwards or maybe inwards. I don't know. But they probably just like fell over like that. And, and here they can, they can just march right over in, in and defeat the city. And... Um, and this is an incredible story. But the story of Jericho teaches that people of faith, they follow God's unconventional instructions and they trust in Him to win the victory. It's incredible to see what God can do. 
The story of Rahab is part of this story too. She's included in this, in this wall and, and everything is destroyed around her, but she is preserved. People of faith, they risk their lives. She saved those, those spies and God made a way. The story of the judges goes on. It's incredible to think about how God made a way of guidance through these judges. The kings, you could look at the kings and how uh, only one of them is listed here, the, the King David. And you know the story of David and Goliath, that's just one story. And then you get into the prophets, and, and I love what the author says, and I feel like this right now. Time is, is, is not on my side. You know what he says? He says, you know, time would uh, um, escape me for me to be, be able to tell more. Verse 32 what shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell? I don't have enough time to tell about all of these people. But look at what God has done. So as you walk down this hall of faith, and we've been looking at so many pictures, and I, I know it can almost be like th- this is a museum where you just get exhausted walking through and seeing the lives of these heroes of faith. But you get to the end. And I want you to realize that chapter 12 is kind of the continuation. And what have we said is in chapter 12? Looking unto Jesus. You look unto Jesus in faith. He is the author and finisher of your faith. The hall of faith in Hebrews 11. It showcases individuals, people, who are not commendable for being perfect people, for being perfect examples. These individuals, they trusted in God's promises. They demonstrated their faith through action. They persevered through trials. Their lives uh, were awesome. It was one of the scenes of Horton Hears a Who. You guys know that, that cartoon? It's a wonderful cartoon. I love it. <laughs> the story of Horton Hears a Who. Um, it's kind of funny because Mayor Ned McNod is the father who's walking through the hallway, this hall of faith, or the hall of fame for their family, all the mayors, you know. They walk through, look at the mayors, your great father, your great grandfather, your great great grandfather, great 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 great, not so great, great 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 grandfathers, all the way down the list, and he points out all of these men who were so great. And, and they, they achieved wonderful things. <laughs> and his little son named Jojo, who's dressed in all black, you know, kind of a gothic-looking little kid, kind of quiet, didn't talk. He just kind of sit, walks down there slowly with his head down. And as he's describing all these things, his dad is so excited about how great Jojo's going to become. And he says, this could be you. And this will be you someday. And Jojo walks away dejected. <laughs> he feels like, you know, I don't want that. I can't be that. That's not me. And, and I can't ever be like that. I don't know if you feel like this whenever you walk through the halls of Scripture and you look at all these people. And you're like, I can't build a boat. I, I can't. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't live 300 years and 500 and 1,200 years. That just doesn't even make sense to me. 
I can't march around the city and, and defeat all these wicked people. I can't do that. And I can understand that sense of excitement whenever you read the story, but then you look at yourself. You're like, I can't. You realize that God is not calling us to a life that strives to achieve great things and be recognized for how awesome you are. I don't want you to go away saying, I want to be awesome. And to be honest, I, I, I think it's really exhausting to think that way. Um, and even walking through these stories and these highlights of these characters in the Bible, I, I, I know how this can feel almost overwhelming but do you ever feel like it's just way too far above who you are or even able to be? And I guess that's the point. You can't do it. You can't. That's why we look to Christ. Look to Him. Have faith in Him. Faith is simply the realization that you can't. But by God's grace, the more you walk with God and you trust in Him and you, you, you rely on Him, you can simply live a life of faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Father, help us now. Even if there are some in here that don't have their eyes on Christ yet, I pray that they would, they would turn from their sins and trust in You. And Lord, keep our eyes on You. Help us to walk faithfully in the Word. Help us to walk in faith. Lord, I pray that You would, as we even look at these examples in Scripture, there's so many, so much more that could be said, but help us not to get bogged down by these lives and say, I want to be like Abel, I want to be like Moses. Help us to rather be like Christ. Live lives like Him. I pray that you'd be glorified as we strive to live lives trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen.